evening, everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Bill Telephone, Dr. Bill Takeshita Telephone Education Series. Dr. Bill Takeshita is the Director of Children's Programs for the Center for the Plushy Sighted here in Los Angeles, as well as Consulting Director of Low Vision for Braille Institute. The Dr. Bill Telephone Series is an educational program focusing on pediatric eye conditions for parents, teachers, and other professionals working with young children with visual impairments. The topics presented should not be considered a medical or educational consultation, but information to help us better understand pediatric eye conditions. Our topic tonight is that Dr. Bill will be speaking on the use of video magnification and low vision aids that may help children with retinal conditions or other conditions. Thank you, Dr. Bill. Thank you very much, Sue, and I want to thank all of you for attending this program this evening. I want to go ahead and first explain to all of you we were scheduled to have Dr. Lee from Children's Hospital Los Angeles, and he was going to talk to us about the latest medical and surgical treatments for retinal conditions, but he is tied up in surgery tonight, and he wasn't able to get out in time. So I'm taking over, and what I thought would be the most similar type of topic would be on the low vision end of it, because many children who do have retinal diseases, they do receive surgery, but their vision is still not perfect. The children who have retinal problems may have blurred vision. They might be colorblind. They might have blind spots in their peripheral vision, or they might have difficulty seeing under dim illumination or in very bright illumination. So there's many different types of visual problems that children with retinal problems do have, And I want to just remind all of you that there are many, many low vision devices and assistive technology that we can prescribe for them, which would significantly improve, significantly improve their vision. So the first thing that I want to talk about is what is the retina? We often hear the word of the retina, but many times we not be completely sure of what is the retina. Some people think that the retina is the very front of the eye. Other people think that the retina is the nerve that connects the eye to the back of the brain. But in reality, the retina is a very thin piece of tissue, which is similar to the consistency of one piece of toilet paper. It is made up of 10 different layers, and each of these layers are superimposed on top of each other to create a very, very thin, delicate structure. Now, the retina is positioned on the inside of the very back of your eye. And within that retina, there are millions of little fibers that are coming from the retina, and they group together to form what is known as the optic nerve. Now, the optic nerve is the bundle of nerve that generally contains about 700,000 to 800,000 fibers, and then those fibers all clump together, and then it sends the information to the back of the brain where the visual information is processed. So when there are problems to the retina, it could affect different parts of a person's vision. Now, there's two main different locations of the retina. The very center of the retina is a region that is called the macula. Many of you may have heard of macular degeneration. 
Now, the macula is the portion of the retina that gives us our most acute or our finest detailed vision. So if you're going to look inside a telephone book and there's very tiny print, you would have to move your eyes so that those letters focus on the macula. If you're going to try and to look at colors very carefully, say that you're trying to match some of your clothing, you would move your eyes so that those colors would focus on the macula. And if you really were trying to see things under very bright conditions, it is the macula region of the retina that helps the eye to adjust that very bright condition. Now, what's really interesting about the macula is that the macula is very, very, very small. It is about the size of the head of a pin. So if you're thinking about the type of pin that you would post things on the bulletin board, that is about the diameter of the macula. The remainder of the retina is much, much larger. It is probably about three inches in diameter, and that peripheral region of the retina is actually made up of what are called rod cells, and the rod cells create the peripheral retina. Now, the function of the peripheral retina is very different than the function of the macula. The peripheral retina, it allows us to see objects on each side of us. So what I mean by that is it gives us our peripheral vision. If you take your finger and you straighten your arm and put it right in front of you and you just stare at your finger that's pointing up towards the ceiling, when you focus on your fingernail, the fingernail is focusing on your macula. Now, if you keep your eyes focused on your fingernail, but you notice, you notice what's around you. As you keep your eyes focused on the fingernail, can you see what's on your desk? Can you see what's on your right or your left sides of you? Can you see what's above you? All of that kind of information that you see while you're looking at your fingernail, that is your peripheral vision. And the peripheral vision is very important for, number one, our balance. Number two, our ability to see where we're going to walk when we're walking in space. Number three, it gives us also the ability to see at night. And number four, the peripheral vision is very sensitive to seeing things that are moving. So what's kind of interesting, if we compare the two portions of the retina, the macula gives us our central vision to see very tiny details, very precise colors, and things that are not moving. Whereas the peripheral retina, it gives us our ability to see things that are off to the side, things that are in black and white, things that are moving, and it's very important for our balance and our movement. So this two-dual system function of the retina, it allows us to do many different types of things. When a child is going to look at your face and identify your face, your child will use the macula to see your face. If your child is going to learn to identify colors, the child will use the macula to see those colors. But when your child is learning to sit upright, 
or learning to crawl or learning to walk, or your child is trying to see something that is at nighttime, or if you're throwing a ball to your child, all of those functions are controlled by the peripheral retina. Now, what's really interesting about the entire retina is that the retina may develop different types of diseases as we get older, such as macular degeneration, which damages the macula, or some people may have diabetes, and diabetes affects the blood supply to the entire retina, so you lose the function of your macula and your peripheral retina. Or it may be that people have inherited conditions. People may have a condition such as retinitis pigmentosa, where the peripheral retina, it becomes lower in function. And and these people, they just can't see well at night. They have difficulty walking when it's dark. Or you may notice that these people walk very slowly at times because they can't see where they're going. Another inherited condition is a disease called Stargardt's disease, which is a form of macular degeneration where the macula and all the central vision is reduced, and this affects students usually when they're in their teenage years. So when we find that there's all of these different types of conditions, many of them are such that a person may need surgery. For example... One of the conditions that affects the entire retina is retinopathy of prematurity. And if a baby is born premature, if they're born before 32 weeks gestation, many times those blood vessels that provide blood and nutritional supplies to the retina, they're not fully developed. And these children, they develop scar tissue in the retina. In some cases, the scar tissue becomes larger and it pulls the retina off of the eyeball. And when that happens, it's very dangerous because when the retina is pulled off the eye, that portion of the retina is not functional. And this is why the retina specialist will examine the children born prematurely and if they do see that the retina is pulling or torn or detached, they now can perform surgery very successfully. So if the retina has detached in the peripheral retina, they can reattach it, and these children may then have very functional peripheral vision. In some cases, the retinal detachment may even affect the macula, and that could cause the child to have very blurred vision or very poor color vision, and these kids may receive surgery which restores some or maybe even all of that central vision. Now, what can we do after a child has received surgery or that it has been identified that the child has a retinal problem? Well, there are doctors that are called low vision specialists. And these doctors, they attend school and they learn how to design specialized glasses magnifiers, filters, computer technology to help people who have retinal problems to see again. And that is really what we do at the Center for the Partially Sighted, and there are other low vision centers throughout the country. The examination that the low vision doctor performs 
it's actually very different than the examination performed by other eye doctors because the examination is going to really measure all the different factors of vision that the child has. For example, we measure what is the clearest distance that the child is able to see at. That's really important because if a child is going to read, we need to know where to position the book. We evaluate which visual field is a child able to see best. For some kids with retinal problems, if we move the book slightly to the right, slightly to the left, it could improve their vision if they do not use the central retina and they use their peripheral retina. Number three, we look at their response to lighting. If a child has problems with the retina, we can often use different lights and different colors of light to improve the visual function tremendously. In other cases, though, we may even have to reduce the amount of lighting because the retina might be very sensitive to the light. One example of this would be albinism. This is a condition that is inherited, and the child doesn't have the normal amount of color or pigment to the eyes, hair, and skin. So we could prescribe a tinted lens to reduce the brightness of the page, and this could help the child to see very, very well. We then look at other things, such as contrast vision. If you have damage to the retina, you often lose contrast vision, so when they're looking at print that's written in pencil or pen, it often looks very, very faded. So we do have other colored lenses that could increase the contrast. For example, many times by using an amber lens, that will really increase the contrast of what the child has written so they could see what the teacher has written on the board or on their paper. In other cases, though, we will really maximize the contrast by using special computers and video magnifiers. For the video magnifiers, this is a computer screen, and there's a small camera underneath it. And what we could do is we could put any book, any paper, any photograph, illustration, we could put anything underneath there, and then we could adjust the brightness, the colors, and the contrast, as well as the magnification. So all of these things are, are, are very, very helpful. We then measure how can the child use the two eyes together. This is very important, and we, we can't forget this, because in many times when a child has a retinal condition, one retina is slightly better than the other. So if one retina sees better than the other, the brain sometimes will not use the other eye. So we often need to do special things to improve the vision of the weaker retina so that the child can use both eyes together. And when the child is reading or writing with both eyes, it usually is going to improve their overall function. We could do that by using prism glasses. And a prism glass is something that could really improve the comfort of a person who has these kind of retinal conditions. We're also going to measure the child's peripheral vision. We need to find out, does a child have enough peripheral vision to walk, stand, run, and play sports comfortably? 
we then want to find out, does this child have normal depth perception? You know, if you don't have normal depth perception, it could be very frightening to walk up and down steps and curves. So this particular type of evaluation is something that's going to take at least one hour. Many times it will take many visits. Or we might see the child two times or even three times if we need to to get this information. And that's very, very different than some of the ophthalmology examinations where when the baby comes in, we put eye drops in their eyes and the eye drops allow us to look at the tissue in the eye and when the pupil has been dilated, we could look at the retina and determine if there's a tear or a detachment or a hemorrhage. But that type of examination, it really does not do anything to measure the function of the person. Now, once we do the functional vision assessment and we know all of the strengths and weaknesses of the child, we will then determine what types of visual aids might be beneficial. And these different visual aids, they may begin from just a pair of glasses, and we perform a refraction test for that. Now, the refraction test, there's different levels of a refraction. The most common refraction is when the doctor will shine a light in the eye, and then the doctor will refine it by asking the patient, which is better, one or two, two or three? Which one do you like better, four or five? And they could come up with a prescription. Now, that works really well for adults, but when you have an infant who's one month old, you can't rely on the infant telling you anything. So optometrists and ophthalmologists that specialize in low vision are very, very skilled at performing the refraction, and they could then determine what would be the best prescription for each eye for that child. It's also important once the doctor has determined the prescription, we then want to determine what does this child normally look at. In other words, for that child's developmental age, what does this child typically look at? You know, a child who is very, very young and has just been born, their eyes are usually focused at a distance of 8 to 16 inches. And it is that distance that allows them to make eye contact with their parents. But as a child gets older, their eyes then start to focus at 24 to 36 inches. And that's the time they begin to explore other regions around the home. They look at the objects that are on the couch or other things that are on the floor. And their eyes need to focus at that distance. And then when a child is older and beginning to crawl, they will then focus at a distance of four to five feet further away from them. So what you can see from this progression is that from shortly after birth to the time that the child is now beginning to crawl and walk, the range that they actually focus at, it changes. And they start to focus at further and further distances. So what that means is the glasses prescription that the low vision doctor prescribes, it will be different depending on that child's developmental age. Now, you are probably wondering, well, how come when I go to my doctor, my doctor just gives me a pair of glasses and I could see the letters on the eye chart, 
and I could focus at all of these distances by just using my eye muscles. Why is it that they could do that for adults, but we don't do that for children? Well, the answer to that is children have not developed that ability to shift the focus of the eyes from one distance to another at that early age. So at a very young age, a child will need the glasses to focus at one distance to the next to the next. And as that child grows older, we find that they do have much better focusing skills. And generally, by the time that a child is two years of age, they usually have a very good range of focus, and they may not be as dependent on these particular glasses. However, if a child has a retinal condition that has affected the macula and they have blurred vision, we often will prescribe glasses because the glasses will magnify what the child sees. And by magnifying what the child sees, it gives them much, much better vision that way. Another thing that the doctors will do during that low vision examination is to evaluate how does the child use his or her vision under different lighting conditions. For many children and adults with retinal conditions, if you take them outdoors or near a window, if it's too bright, they'll squint or they may not even open their eyes. That's because a retina that is damaged, it cannot tolerate that very, very high and bright illumination. So this is when we are going to prescribe different tinted lenses. And we will try different colored lenses on the child. In some cases, we will even use transitions lenses. And the transition lens is a lens that will convert from a clear lens indoors to a tinted lens outdoors. And then in other cases, we will customize the transition lens. Let's say that the child sees best looking through a yellowish tinted lens indoors and needs a gray lens outdoors. Well, we could customize that transition lens so that the family doesn't have to have two different pairs of glasses with different colored tints, and that makes things much, much easier. We also will utilize different levels of magnification in the glasses, especially when a child is young and looking at things close. You might have heard of a bifocal. A bifocal is when there's another segment in the lower portion of the glasses, and in that portion we could incorporate a stronger prescription. So if a child is looking at something in his or her hands, they will then be looking through the bottom of the glasses, and we could incorporate a bifocal in that portion. The bifocal power is something that we could customize, and when we do increase the power of that bifocal, we could really increase the magnification for that child. We could even increase the magnification up to a level of what's called 20 diopters. 20 diopters, or five times magnification. So let's say that a child is looking at a letter in a book and the child is having difficulty seeing that letter. Now, let's say it's a standard book, and the print is 10-point font size. Well, if they then look through the bifocal, it's going to be five times magnified. So that print is going to look like a headline, because it's now going to be 50-point type size. So this is something that could be very helpful for students as they're learning 
to read, and they're learning the alphabet, numbers, and letters by having them use these types of high-powered bifocals. Now, in some cases, it may not be real convenient for a child to use a bifocal. Maybe the child has difficulty tilting the head up or there's problems with moving the eyes down into the bifocal, but we have other types of magnifiers in low vision. Now, many people think of the magnifiers similar to the big round magnifying glass that Sherman uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes would use in his books, but those large magnifiers are very weak in power. In other words, they magnify things maybe one time. They don't magnify as much as that bifocal. The newer magnifiers of today, we have magnification that increases all the way up, not only to five times, but we have magnifiers that will increase up to 14 times. So in other words, we would be able to magnify small print extremely large. Now, the first type of magnifier that we use for the child who has retinal condition is usually going to be a stand magnifier. And a stand magnifier, it's a lens and there's legs on it. So that allows us to put the magnifier right on the paper and we don't even have to hold the magnifier. It will set a perfect distance so that when the child looks through the stand magnifier, the print will be in focus. One of the most popular ones that we use for children who are under five years of age, we will use something that's called a dome magnifier. And this is a really a nice device because, number one, it is a plastic aid, so it's lightweight. Number two, there actually are no legs on it, so it looks like a glass ball, but the very bottom is cut off so that it will sit flat on the paper. And because it is completely made out of glass and is transparent, light could enter it and it illuminates the page very well. So kids could look at pictures, they look at diagrams, they could start to look at letters, and they could move it across and learn to track from left to right. With those particular types of dome magnifiers, it's also really helpful because they're very affordable and they could take it to preschool and they could do very well with it. Now, in some cases, children with retinal problems may need more lighting. For example, with retinitis pigmentosa, these children often need much more lighting and by simply increasing the lighting, that could really help them. So using a type of a stand magnifier that has a light is really very, very helpful. There are many makers of these types of stand magnifiers. Mattingly, Optilec, these are some of the best types of Eschenbach. Really very, very good, high-quality stand magnifiers. And what they've done now, though, is that they have in included LED light bulbs. And the advantage of the LED light bulbs are, number one, they don't use as much battery power. Number two, they don't get as hot. And number three, the lights come in different colors. So as we talked about before, if the child with a retinal condition sees better under amber or they see better under green, we can use these types of light bulbs of that color that will improve the vision further. 
Now, another particular type of magnifier that we will use would be for kids that are going to be older than five, and these are called illuminated hand magnifiers. Now, these magnifiers, again, are available from 1.5 times magnification all the way to 14 times magnification, but they do not have any legs on these magnifiers. So the main advantage of these is that you could just stick it in a, in a shirt or blouse pocket or purse very, very easily, and you could pull it out and you could read very, very quickly. A lot of times the magnifiers are so small, you could almost conceal them. So if you're a person who doesn't want to draw any attention, like a lot of kids don't want to do that, they could conceal the magnifier in their hand and they could look at the books inside the library. These lights also have the LED bulbs and they also have that wide range of magnification. Another thing that we'll do is we often will prescribe glasses for outdoors use. Now, in the past, I remember when I was in optometry school and we had a low vision clinic and I had a patient who had albinism, very sensitive to the sunlight, but he did not want to wear these sunglasses because they look so dorky. You know, they wrap around like shields and it, it just looks so strange. They didn't look like a regular pair of sunglasses. Well, now there's a company that is called Live Eyewear, and Live Eyewear makes a line of sunglasses called the Cocoons. And the Cocoons, they are really cool. I mean, these look like what an Olympic athlete would wear. So we find now all the kids want these types of sunglasses, and their brothers and their sisters do too. These glasses are, are very affordable. They're made of polycarbonate, so if the kids are playing outdoors, we don't worry about them shattering. They're in different colors. And we also can make these glasses so that, number one, if a child has a glasses prescription that they wear, they could put these glasses and they will fit over the child's regular glasses. Or, number two, we can use these frames and make their glasses in that cocoon frame and this is a way that they could have cool glasses to wear all the time. So that's another device that works really, really well. So we have many, many other types of devices that we could use. As a child gets a little bit older and they're in first grade, second grade, we want them to have the ability to see distance objects as well as the reading objects. In other words, we have already determined what pair of glasses will help the child to see most clearly? What tint would be the best for outdoors use? What kind of bifocal or what type of magnifier would work to allow them to read? But they still need to see what's on the dry erase board. And this is when we begin to introduce telescopes. Now, when I first heard the word telescope, I was thinking about Christopher Columbus and you know, I could imagine somebody looking through a very large telescope. But when I saw the size of these telescopes were about the length of a child's thumb, I said, that is amazing. You know, that's amazing. You could have something so small and you could keep it in your pocket or you could keep it on a cord around your neck and put it underneath your shirt or blouse. And when you need to see something far away, you could just pull it out and you could look at it. 
Now, these are available in powers from 2x all the way up to 14x. And as you can imagine, as they get stronger, they become bigger. So the 14x is probably about 6 inches long, and the 2x is probably about 1 inch long. These telescopes are focusable, so if you do need to refine the focus, you can do that. And they're very, very durable. Many of them come with a plastic housing, so if this child drops it, we don't worry about them breaking. But these are very, very helpful for children to see what the teacher might be writing on the board or if they're at a field trip and the person's doing some type of demonstration, they could pull out the telescope and they would be able to see it. When we find that the child is really comfortable with a telescope, the next phase is that we incorporate a very tiny telescope into a pair of glasses. And this is called the bioptic telescope. Now, the bioptic telescope, it's about the size of the tip of your pinky finger, just the very tip. And that gets mounted into the lens, and a child or an adult will then tilt their head downward, and they could then look through the telescope. This will allow them to see anything that's far away, and this is also legal in almost all states in the United States for driving. So what we're finding is that more and more people with low vision are able to use these types of glasses for driving. Now, one of the things that has been the case is that many kids would say, well, gee, these glasses look weird. I don't want to wear those. I look weird with it. But when we have told them that this is something that they would be able to use for driving, other people use it for sports, and this is something that would allow them to see further, they really are very different. They're much more open to using it. And we have found that as we prescribe these for children at a younger age, they're much, much more open to it. So we now have children who are in kindergarten who wear these bioptic glasses. Another great thing is that these bioptic glasses, they are covered by Medi-Cal. So if the child has low vision and Medi-Cal insurance, Medi-Cal will pay for that. Now, the last thing that I want to talk about before we open it up to questions are what's new in video magnifiers for the children and adults who have retinal conditions? The most popular device out right now for 2016 are what are called video magnification glasses. Now, this is something that's very different because in the past, what was very popular were video magnifier screens. And that was where you had a camera, a big camera, and you connected it to a big television. And you'd have to have a large desk and you'd, you know, have all of this contraption and you could enlarge a book. But now we have video magnification glasses that the person would put on. Now, first of all, these glasses don't look exactly like a regular pair of glasses, but they look very similar to Oakley sunglasses or the types of glasses that you see athletes wearing all the time. In those glasses, there's a small video camera, and the small video camera will take a picture of whatever the child is looking at, and it will then display the picture on the LED screens which is where
where the lenses would be. And with this, the student could increase the magnification or decrease the magnification. They could increase or decrease the contrast. They could change the colors of the background and the text. And they could also do other things that are really amazing, where they could say, read it for me. So if a child has a book, that camera will take a picture of that page of the book, and it will literally read the page aloud for the student. These glasses are also to the point where you could connect a HDMI cable from your computer's Internet system, and you could watch movies on these systems. So in other words, it looks like surround sound. It's virtual reality where you have a large image directly in front of you. So there's all of this type of advancement in this particular type of technology. And the two most popular video glasses are from Canada is the E-Sight, letter E, Sight. And from Newport Beach, which was just released this year, are the New Eyes glasses. So both of these, I think, are, are very important to, to show to the student or to your child. What I would say is that there's advantages of each particular brand. But what we would have to say is that the functionality is going to be dependent on the patient. Some people may like the way one looks better. In other words, the new eyes glasses, it looks a little bit more compact. It's a little bit smaller. There's no wires coming out of it. But the battery life is not as long because they had to make the batteries so small to fit into the glasses. So when we look at all of these different features and let the student figure out what works the best, we could then find something that they could read, they could write, they could play sports, they could see what's on the dry erase board, they could do anything that they would want to by using these particular types of glasses, with the exception of, number one, you cannot drive with these glasses right now, and number two, you can't swim with these glasses on yet. But I think there's going to be some major changes. The reason I think that there's major changes coming through with these types of uh, video glasses is that these video glasses are now being used for movies. And maybe you have heard these commercials from Magic Mountain. They have a ride called the Revolution. And when you go on the Revolution, they're now giving you these virtual reality glasses where you hear and you see all around you. I hear the ride is absolutely amazing. So what's going on is that these companies are now producing these kind of video glasses for the general consumers to use. And now it makes it a lot easier for them to do this if they're going to use this for people with low vision. Another thing that's also really very, very interesting are some of these changes with the portable video magnifiers. A lot of people were very happy with the magnifiers that we talked about, but when we look at the electronic portable video magnifiers, the portable video magnifiers add more. Number one, what they could do is that they can add more magnification than the magnifying glass. 
Number two, the electronic portable video magnifiers can also change the colors of the background and the text. So, for example, almost all patients, almost all patients with a retinal condition able to read better if we have a blue or a black background with white text. If they read things with a blue or a black background with white text, they usually say their eyes don't get quite as tired. So if we use a portable video magnifier for a person, they're going to be able to read longer without as much fatigue. Another thing is that these video magnifiers also, many of them have the ability to read the text aloud. So if they are reading things aloud, the person could use their ears and listen and learn, which really helps them to comprehend even to a greater degree. And number three, we also now know that there are video magnifiers that are integrated with computers. So what this basically means is, let's say that you're a student and you're in the sixth grade and you have a laptop computer. Well, there are cameras that you could attach to your screen and you could focus it on the board. And when the teacher draws a diagram or whatever it is, you press a button and it takes a picture of it and it stores it on your computer. You could then magnify and zoom in and you could see exactly what it was that he was trying to show you. We also have the same ability with these computers where the computers can scan all of your work for you. So it doesn't have to be that the student with low vision carries around a huge backpack with all these papers in it. Everything could be stored in one tiny, thin computer. And we're also now finding the benefits of the cell phones, the iPhone, the Samsungs. All of these phones are essentially little computers and with these computers, we have the ability to store information, access information, to perform these types of computations. And if we need to, we could even connect a Braille display to it. You know, a lot of people think that Braille is really only for people who are totally blind. But that's not true. There are some people who are very, very good with their fingers. They have very strong sensitivity to their fingers. And I have seen people who are visual, with 20-20 vision, who read so quickly in Braille that they do their reading in Braille. So we no longer have to think that Braille is only for the person who is totally blind, but a person who is partially sighted could do this as well. So all in all, in summary, there are so many different types of visual aids that are available for the student. We recommend first that the child receives a functional vision assessment, and that should be by a optometrist or ophthalmologist who's trained in low vision. From there, all of these devices that the doctor recommends, and there will be many, these can be ordered through Medi-Cal. If there's a situation where the student doesn't have the finances or they don't have Medi-Cal, we have also found that school districts are very, very supportive in getting these devices for the kids. And then number three, at our center, the 
Family Resource Center at the Center for the Parsi Sighted. That is Tori Schladen's group. She and her staff, they will also help the families to investigate other ways of obtaining the equipment. There's other grants and foundations where we could fill out a paper, submit it, and we could ask for as much as $7,500 worth of equipment. And it's really been very, very helpful. So I thank you very, very much for for listening. And we will be placing this podcast up at the BrailleInstitute.org. That's www.BrailleInstitute.org. And it will also be up at AirsLA. That's www.airsla.org. And if you have additional questions, uh, you can contact me at Dr. Bill Foundation. That's D-R-B-I-L-L Foundation at gmail.com. Or you can contact me at the Center for the Partially Sighted, 310-988-1970. That's 310-988-1970. So at this time, we have about 10 minutes, and I'll open it up to questions, and I'll let Sue moderate the questions. Does anyone have questions for Dr. Bell? Yes, for the video magnifier glasses, Uh yes. What is the cost of those? Yes, the the cost ranges from about five thousand to fifteen thousand dollars. So the costs of them are quite expensive, but what we are anticipating is that organizations such as Change a Life Foundation that they may come in to help a lot of people to purchase these, because this particular device is the most versatile type of low vision aid that we have seen that allows a child to see far and near, but they can take it any place that they go. In other words, these are just very similar to carrying a pair of sunglasses. You don't have to carry, you know, a carrying case or a rolling case or anything like that. Okay, Mm -hmm. yes. You know, you probably will be receiving demonstrations of these very shortly. Okay? Okay, thank you. Now, one of the things that we often read about is the sunlight and how light is damaging for the eyes. And the reality is that the sunlight and the blue light, the blue light from light bulbs and the sun, it is potentially damaging to the retina. So for any patient who has a retinal condition, I believe it's very important that you speak to your eye doctor and get a pair of glasses that will filter out the harmful blue rays from the sun. It will protect the eyes from that high energy that could damage those cells. Now, the good thing about these types of lenses that will filter out the blue light, they just look like any other lens. They don't have to be thick or they don't have to be super thin or they're not going to be aqua pink in color. They're just going to be a lens that can filter that out. So you can then ask your doctor about that. So, Sue, I want to thank you again for putting on this program. And uh, we look you. forward to our our next session. And I believe that we have Dr. Lee scheduled possibly in June, correct? Yes, we're working with his office right now to try to reschedule it for June. And we will be sending out an announcement 
um, when we have better information great. about that call, and that would be June 14th. Okay, great. Thank you. Sure. Well, thank you. That was great information tonight, Dr. Bill, as always. Thank you, Sid. Is there any other messages that you have? No, uh, we will, we do have another call scheduled for May 10th, and that would be on indicators of vision of a vision problem, and um, that will be again at 7:30 on May 10th. And thanks again for all of you for calling in tonight, and we, you know, and thank you. I know uh, I'm, I'm I learned a lot tonight, so it's great to have. Um, even though, even though you said you were a backup, I think we actually got some great information. I, I'm really glad that you're able to provide this lecture for us, Dr. Bill. Thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. Okay, so we'll see all of you next month, and thank you very much. Good night, everybody.